Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Listeners, we have a contest for you called the Best Five Star Review. That's right. We are starting a contest between now and January 1st, 2019 for the Best Five Star Review on iTunes. To enter, take a screenshot or copy your review and email it to me, hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com. That's hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com between now and January 1st, because we will pick the winner to receive a $100 Amazon gift card. And now for our interview with guest Ken Mikowski. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, Ken Mikowski. Ken serves as the Chief Pharmacy Officer at FamilyWise. He comes to FamilyWise with experience in strategy and business management as a former VP in multiple roles with SureScripts, which many of you are probably familiar with as an e-prescribing solution. Ken, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. Well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe share a little bit about your personal life. Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm, uh, I'm up in St. Paul, Minnesota, and have uh, practiced my whole pharmacy career up here in the Twin Cities. Um, I'm a graduate of Purdue University School of Pharmacy in 1975, and I got my PharmD here at Minnesota in 1977. Um, my wife is a pharmacist as, as well. She and I met at pharmacy school, um, and she worked for many years for the University of Minnesota and helped start their neonatal intensive care pharmacy uh, back in the, the late 70s. So uh, we, we've, got, we've got pharmacy in our family. Um, my, my career is, is fairly varied, anywhere from hospital pharmacy to um, uh, home health and infusion therapy uh, I've worked for a device company that was in the Twin Cities, Pharmacia Deltec, uh, ambulatory infusion pumps in Portacath. I've worked for specialty pharmacies. Uh, I worked for United Healthcare's um, Transplant Center of Excellence as their VP of Medical Affairs. Uh, and then following that, uh, I've worked for uh, a number of startups, specifically in the e-health world. Uh, starting back in 1999, uh, the first two startups I, I was with both failed in a year. Um, let's just say there's a lot to learn in uh, watching a business fail. In fact, uh, almost as much to learn as watching a business succeed. After the second dot-com uh, company failed, there was another startup here in the Twin Cities, and it was called RX Hub. Um, it was funded by Medco. Advanced PCS and Express Scripts at the time, 
And uh, we were asked to build the underlying infrastructure for electronic prescribing. Um, that same year, NACDS and NCPA started a company called SureScripts, which was really going to focus on connectivity to the retail pharmacy world, whereas Rx Hub was going to focus on connectivity to the PBM world. That was back in 2002. Um, and six years later, after a number of things that advanced e-prescribing through those years, uh, in 2008, RxHub and SureScripts merged to become SureScripts. And I spent a total of 13 years at SureScripts. I left SureScripts uh, about four years ago and uh, started my own independent consulting firm. And I've had a number of customers uh, and, and worked with a number of groups over that period of time. But during that period of time, I was asked to help with a project at a small company in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania called FamilyWise. FamilyWise was a pharmacy discount card mainly created for the underinsured and, under, and uninsured population um, originally in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. Um, FamilyWise is a 13-year-old company, family-owned uh, by Susan and Dan Barnes. Susan was a nurse in the Lehigh Valley and uh, would continue to notice how many patients would come into either clinics, the hospitals, or the emergency rooms and get prescribed drugs and be back in clinic or the emergency room one or two weeks later with the same problems, mainly because they couldn't afford their drugs. Uh, Dan was in the uh, aggregate uh, uh, internet travel business. Um, she, uh, uh, Susan asked Dan if there was some way they can help the community, and he went out and started FamilyWise as a local business to help the people in the Lehigh Valley. He worked with the local United Way to help distribute information about the company, um, and frankly, it worked quite well. And within three years, FamilyWise was a nationwide company with strong relationships with the United Way and other um, uh, partnerships with organizations like Mental Health America, the American Heart Association, American Council for the Aging. And, and these were all partnerships that helped get information out to patients that there were additional ways to get discounts on drugs. Um, the uh, discount drug card business has uh, continued to grow over that period of time. And most, notice, no, most noticeably, in the last uh, three to four years, with the introduction of companies like GoodRx and Blink and others that have made the fact that there are a ways to get discounts on drugs uh, uh, to, to the general public. And, and there's been much uh, increase in uh, interest in discount cards, mainly because of the advertising dollars spent by some of these new companies in this area. Uh, FamilyWise continues to grow. Um, we have uh, established a, a very nice business and continue to work to serve the um, uninsured and underinsured populations. Um, what we mean by the underinsured are those people who have high deductible health plans where their drugs might be part of their deductible. They may have minimal discounts uh, in their health plan on their prescription drugs, and there are other ways to get discounts like discount cards, manufacturers, coupons, 
copay cards, etc. So uh, that that's just kind of a, a little overview of kind of how my career got to where I am now and um, uh, what FamilyWise does. I serve as their chief pharmacy officer. Um, I work in an advisory role with the management team, um, help educate both um, our external as well, external partners as well as our internal employees as to trends and things that are happening in the marketplace that will affect how we were, will be able to do business. Uh, I added a blog for, for FamilyWise. Uh, it's, it's, it's a company that uh, I very, very much enjoy working for. Yeah, thanks, Ken. That's helpful to get uh, that background of your experience, and it certainly is serving you well in your current role um, as their chief pharmacy officer. Um, because you know, having that exposure to a lot of different areas of ph- of pharmacy practice um, in the healthcare system. Um, you know, can help you stay on top of those trends and and educate um, external partners and help to look for some you know synergies to where um, it it makes sense to um, you know partner with family wise. So you've you know given some some good context on um, you know family wise is a discount card, and I know many of our listeners have probably heard of GoodRx or some of the other discount cards available. Um, but FamilyWise definitely differs in the origin, um, as far as I'm aware, with with more of a missional um, component. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, right now, Ken, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what's the reach of, of FamilyWise? I know it's grown a lot over the past 13 years, but, um, you know, how big is it currently? And then maybe you could tell how um, pharmacists out in the retail setting might be able to utilize FamilyWise for their patients. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, over the last over the last thirteen years, I think we've ha- helped upward of uh, twelve million patients save about one point two billion dollars. Um, and frankly, uh, a lot of that is. Um, uh, savings really in the last three or four years as as as, as we've grown, um, the it, it, the discount card business is an interesting one in the pharmacy world. It's sometimes looked at with disdain among some pharmacists, and I'll be very honest uh, about that. And frankly, had you told me that I was going to be working for a discount card company five years ago, uh, I, I would have said that that probably wasn't going to happen. Um, but there have been important changes in the insurance landscape that there, there needs to be a vehicle for patients to look for lower cost drugs, specifically with how expensive drugs have continued uh, to become over time. Um, I think uh, one of the other things that, that's very interesting, and, and Hillary, this just happened literally in the last two weeks, and we've been we've been called by by several groups to to help with education. Is that this the the new laws that were signed by President Trump concerning banning the gag orders or making sure pharmacists have the ability to tell patients when there are less expensive drugs than their plan um, has uh, ha- ha- I think will bring discount cards even more into the. Uh, to the limelight in the coming coming uh, 
months and years. Um, patients, the, the, the gag rules didn't affect a majority of patients, but I think patients, because they're hearing the publicity about these laws and, and the changes um, that are occurring, are going to be more inquisitive as to whether or not they actually can get medications cheaper. Um, whether it's whether they have a benefit and they need to use a discount card within or outside their benefit, and, and that's really dependent on the insurance plan they have, whether or not they buy a, a medication with a discount card, whether or not they can apply that to their deductible, that's really up to their health plan to, to advise them how to do that. But also that the discounts that discount cards like FamilyWise are able to get um, are oftentimes better than what the health plans offer. Our average uh, discount um, is about 46 to 48 percent. The, the, the sweet spot for discount cards really is in multi-source generics, where there are some good low-priced drugs already, um, but there are also discounts on brand name drugs. And you know, whereas manufacturers' coupons sometimes offer better discounts, they're often timed. Uh, you can only use them for a certain period of time, three months or six months, or two or three or six times or something like that, where the continuation of a chronic brand drug uh, can, uh, a discount card could come very handy in helping creating savings uh, in that area. The other area that I think discount cards can have uh, an interesting uh, place in, in, in healthcare is when drugs are no longer on formulary. And as formularies are, are being uh, uh, narrowed and drugs, not all drugs are getting on formulary, when you have a non-formulary drug, oftentimes a discount card can offer some level of cost savings. Um, now, I will say that drugs that aren't on formulary are often expensive drugs, and the discounts that are uh, being offered um, sometimes still make the, the non-formulary drug out of reach. But, uh, you know, that really depends on the uh, individual finances of the patient. Yeah, thanks for sharing a couple of use cases. That way, you know, pharmacists probably are used to hearing about discount cards and, you know, the, the branded manufacturers have um, copay cards to help with that in addition to their patient assistance programs. Um, but thinking through, you know, when um, some good, you know, use cases on when to utilize a discount card where they're, you know, drugs are coming on and off of a formulary, for instance. Um, but another thing, if you could add, um you know, a lot of people may not know kind of the behind the scenes work of how, how does, how are discount cards able to negotiate, you know, those uh, discounted prices? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, most discount cards, well, all discount cards are going to work with a processor and um, the, the pharmacy world knows those processors better as, as pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs. Um, you're, the, the discount card uh, is going to be associated with a BIN and PCN, very similar to what an insurance card is going to uh, have. Um, and so you're still going to have to go to a specific 
PCN and BIN in order to adjudicate the card and get payment. The the negotiation um, with uh, pharmacies and the pharmaceutical companies is really something that's done through the processor, through the PBM. And then those those uh, those discounts are then associated with the specific card that the processor and the card company do business in. So the card company really acts more as the marketing arm, the uh, distribution arm, uh, uh, the advertising and and the uh, the overall relationship world, and then creating the 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 relationship with the processor such that the pharmacy can adjudicate that claim utilizing that discount is where the processor comes in. So it really is the 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 relationship between the discount card company and the PBM. Now, some PBMs have their own discount cards and have relationships with specific discount cards. Um, that's not uncommon, but not all PBMs continue to do that because it it doesn't fit totally with their business model of creating a benefit for a specific group of patients and negotiating that benefit with pharma and then having a discount card that may usurp that benefit from a different from a, a specific pharmaceutical company if that were to occur so we see more and more that pharmacies and far, and PBMs kind of have uh, arms length relationships with discount cards such that they're not their own, but they're, they are somebody like um, family-wise or like single care and uh, uh, refill-wise and some other companies out there that provide those services. Sure. And, you know, it is an, an additional option. So, you know, when patients present and they don't have insurance, um, you know, having some some available options uh, is very helpful. Um, and there's no charge to the patient. So that's great. Um, so Ken, what are some of the things that you're seeing as, uh, you know, areas of change in pharmacy practice, especially in the area of caring for underserved uh, populations? Yeah, you know, it, that's, it, it, it's really interesting, Hillary, that when family-wise, um, first started, it was really a card for the uninsured. And it wasn't until uh, ACA was, was, uh, was signed and Obamacare started taking effect that there really was a underinsured population that may need additional pharmacy discounts. If you think about, you know, pre-Obamacare, for the most part, uh, everyone who had an insurance plan had a tiered pharmacy plan that didn't, uh, that wasn't affecting a deductible. And it was, you know, a problem more, most likely, you know, a tier one, $10 generic, tier two preferred brand, $25 a month, and non-preferred 50 and then non-formulary. And, and that really all changed in, in early 2010s, uh, you know, when Obamacare occurred. So I think the, the, the thing that, um, that that discount cards had to do is pivot because they were now serving a completely different population than just the underinsured. Now um, that continues to evolve um, uh, with the current administration. Uh, there there will probably be less 
Medicaid expansion. And so the number of uninsured um, may increase. Uh, the popularity of the high deductible plans has continued to grow from uh, the exchange plans to commercial plans. And so the number of people who are underinsured has continued to grow, although that may be plateauing off. It, it's interesting that these pharmacy trends are you know, dependent on the economy, dependent on the job market. Uh, all of a sudden with a tighter job market, you find companies now being more competitive for employees. And as they look at how they become more competitive, how they present their health plans is is one of the ways they can become more competitive. So, you know, it, there, there are a lot of factors that will go into how the populations that are uh, that can utilize a discount card will change with either the administration that's in power or how the economy is going with with uh, the job market. So so those are some things to keep in in into uh, uh, to, to to think about as you're thinking about how the market would change. The other thing that's going to have an impact on the market is specialty drugs. I mean, we know where specialty pharmacy is going. You know, it, it there's it, it's uh, assumed that it's forty to forty five percent of of uh, non specialty drug spend and will continue to grow. Um, over the next decade. And, and what I think people have to remember is that patients who are on specialty drugs are usually on other chronic medications too. And the fact that uh, a patient on a specialty drug needs to take a specialty drug for a specific disease for that drug to work, we can't forget that they can't stop treating their other chronic diseases with multi-source generics for either you know heart disease, diabetes, uh, asthma, uh, mental health disease, uh, what have you, and and those those the costs of those drugs uh, need to be accounted for as well. So um, as as the costs of drugs for patients with rare diseases or or, or less than common diseases continues to increase, um, there's still going to mean be a need for those patients. To, to control their other chronic diseases. So I, I think those are some of the high level uh, things that are occurring that, 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 need to, uh, that need to be aware of. Now, the practice of pharmacy is changing as well. I've been a pharmacist for 43 years and you know, I can't believe how different the practice of pharmacy is today than when I got out of school in the mid 70s. Um, it continues uh, continues to grow, and there are continual opportunities um, uh, for pharmacists. I think the um, the work that that organizations like APHA and ASHP have done in order to get uh, a reimbursement for pharmaceutical care is very important, and having pharmacists recognized as key components of healthcare teams. Uh, is extremely important. Medication reconciliation, um, again, is an area that that needs to con to grow. And then, uh, you know, the ability for pharmacists to work with care managers to look at population health and uh, how are specific um, groups of patients, especially high risk patients, doing, and what can we do to make them more adherent and compliant to to their regimens is key. 
Um, Family-wise and, and drug cards play a role in adherence at the very, you know, at the very beginning. Uh, the role we play is in fill adherence. Um, you know, you can't take a drug you don't buy. And so uh, if we can help patients afford medications and get the medications into the patient's hands, then we can work on other strategies that, that get that patient to actually take the pills and refill the medications and hopefully continue to afford them. Uh, so that they can they can treat their chronic diseases. Absolutely. And you shared a couple of things about, you know, the exciting uh, future of pharmacy, you know, really focusing in on some, you know, improving medication reconciliation that's happening. And, you know, we've got specialty pharmacy. Um, but going back to all of the, the changes that are happening in healthcare, um, how are some of the strategies that you stay current uh, with what's going on and, and, you know, more specifically within the pharmacy field? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I have a uh, I, I have a soft spot for medication history and, and adherence because of my work at SureScripts. Uh, medication history was my product when 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 I worked there, um, so I had a lot and, and learned a lot on how that could be utilized. Um, I, I I really. Yeah, uh, you know uh, the the other thing that has to occur, and 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 I and I'm surprised I failed to mention it to this point. But you know the whole emergence of electronic health and interoperability um, has had a huge effect on not only how any healthcare provider could practice, but pharmacists especially. The ability for a company like SureScripts to get a, a medication history from either a pharmacy database or a claims database to an emergency room or to the admission of, during the admission of a patient to a hospital in real time, um, really allows uh, clinicians to practice better and stronger than they have been able in the past. And, and pharmacists play a key role in that. Um, I always, uh, you know, I always work when I, when I worked with medication history uh, companies, companies we sold uh, and provided medication history to. Um, you know, I always implored them to think that the the only the only healthcare uh, professional who really likes looking at a long list of drugs is pharmacists, and the key is to take that long list of drugs and make it into some actionable uh, items that a, a nurse, a physician, and a pharmacist can take at the point of care. That, that's really the key uh, to be able to do that. So if you think about what, what has to occur is you have to have the ability to get data on a patient in real time. And then once you get that data, you've got to take it and you've got to uh, manipulate it, analyze it, um, use intelligence and take data and, and create uh, knowledge and wisdom and, and, and impart that on the clinician. And, and uh, that's an area, again, where I think pharmacists can have um, uh, a real impact on, on, on patient care. Absolutely. Well, Ken, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Well, the first one is if someone offers you a mint, don't refuse it. Uh, there's often a good reason for that. But, um, Hillary, the, I, I think some important things are that uh, uh, education in pharmacy um, 
can provide uh, a lot of satisfaction and not necessarily one where you're a, uh, a, a traditional pharmacist in a hospital or a, 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 a retail store. Um, there are opportunities in specialty pharmacy. There are opportunities in managed care. There are, an op- there are opportunities to work s- closer with providers in direct patient care um, that exist today that didn't exist uh, uh, when I entered the field. So part of what I tell somebody is when you're looking for a job, you're never going to find it in a newspaper. Um, look around and see what companies are available and see how a pharmacist can help uh, and, and, and how, how a career can develop uh, outside of uh, traditional pharmacy uh, practice. Um, I haven't dispensed a prescription since 1984, but I can keep my license and keep my uh, 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 continuing education up to date, you know, out of pure habit and because I want to be a pharmacist, not because I want to practice pharmacy like I thought I was when I was coming out of school. Uh, the other thing I would I would advise um, anyone is um, as, as you're moving through your career, uh, create and nurture your network. Uh, your network is going to uh, allow you to uh, continue to advance your career over a period of time, and, and, and you just never know uh, what your network is going to bring to you in in the future. As part of that nurturing of the network, I always advise people to never burn a bridge. Um, you're, you, you're just, you just never know who you're going to work with, who you're going to work for, who might end up working for you. And um, uh, years later, how all of a sudden uh, something ties back to earlier in your career. And, and that's going to be important for the future of your career. So there, there's, there's a, a, a lot of opportunity out there. It doesn't seem obvious and it doesn't have to seem obvious. Um, be open-minded about what might be available. I also find that sometimes you end up in the wrong place. Um, through my career, I've loved almost every job that I've worked for, with and I've, I've succeeded in almost every job that I've had. There have been a few cases where I've been less than successful, and I've realized that it wasn't a good fit for me. I wasn't failing because I was a failure. I was failing because this was not the right kind of fit or right kind of job for me, and that's okay. You learn from those experiences as well, and and they help you eventually find what, what makes you happy. I guess that's my last thing is make sure you do what makes you happy. Um, there's a lot of fun to be had in work and, uh, you just got to go find it and make it. Well, thank you, Ken. And I love that, um, you shared that, you know, it may not, if it's not a right fit, then find something else that is because with our pharmacy degree, there's certainly a lot of opportunity, as you mentioned, uh, to be able to use that and to be able to, you know, use it directly to help patients, you know, on that one-on-one face-to-face care or taking your, you know, 
teaching and and your perspective and you applying it from kind of a broader sense to be able to help patients um, from that setting, which is more how um, you and I are are having that impact uh, at this point in our our careers and and roles. Well, Ken, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Well, thank you, Hillary. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And a special thanks to our sponsors, TheraWorks Relief. Uh, Family members have all enjoyed using TheraWorks Relief for their muscle cramps. Uh, We were even talking about it over the Thanksgiving holiday. So be sure to check out TheraWorks Relief over at theraworksrelief.com. Are you a student heading to ASHP mid-year? Well, you will want to stay tuned because we are hosting our first live event on Tuesday, November 27th at 5 p.m. to help you learn how to prep for ASHP mid-year interviews. We'll have a live panel and audience coming from Belmont University College of Pharmacy. So be sure to check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, and sign up for our event on Tuesday, November 27th at 5 p.m. Central. We'll also be doing an Instagram Live, so follow me at Talk to Your Pharmacist. Listeners, we have a contest for you called the Best Five Star Review. That's right, we are starting a contest between now and January 1st, 2019, for the Best Five Star Review on iTunes. To enter, take a screenshot or copy your review and email it to me, hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com. That's hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com between now and January 1st because we will pick the winner to receive a $100 Amazon gift card. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.